probably once a year, sometimes twice a year, we have the men and women of our church. We have some testimonies, and today is that day. And so I really appreciate in all six testimonies. We have two in each service. All six is going to be on Facebook and YouTube, so you can go back and listen to the other testimonies. I think that'll be an encouragement to you. And so this morning, Jordan Young and Kurt Ramspot, they're going to come and share. And so Jordan, I don't know where Jordan is, but I'm going to ask Jordan to come. He's all the way up in the balcony, so he's bouncing his way down. I remember when I used to come down the stairs like that. <laughs> nice to be young. And then uh, when he's done, Kurt will, will come up and he'll go. So we appreciate them, appreciate him. And so anyway, Jordan's teaching our singles and young married class, and so we appreciate this young guy. And so... Hello, everybody. As you have now heard, this is close enough on the map. Uh, my name is Jordan, um, and uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about my testimony. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but first, let me pray. Uh, pray with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. I thank you so much for this church and all the opportunities um, to listen to your gospel be preached in so many different ways, and also the opportunities to serve. We thank you so much for, um, I thank you so much, Lord, for everybody meeting here this morning. I pray that as I give my testimony of what you've done in my life, Lord, that it can bless someone and uh, we, can, we can all leave closer to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jordan. Um, my wife's name is Brittany. You may know my family more than you know me. Uh, I'm in the Sunday school in the very last hall, and we always leave after everybody else, so you may not believe there's actually a young adult Sunday school, but we just start late and end later. But um, I also have two kids, Josiah and Rosalie. Uh, we've been coming to the Ridge for about three years, I was told, because I didn't remember correctly. Um, and we actually, when I, in 2012, I got saved July 29th, 2012, under who is now the pastor of the Sullivan campus, Matt Dudley. He uh, was our pastor out at Grace, and we went there for a few years. Our uncle invited us, and uh, we actually made a profession of faith um, in that church. Um, I did, and my family did, and we continued to go for um, almost a year, I believe. And um, during a revival meeting, I actually, and my family as well, were spoken to by the Lord and truly accepted Christ as our Savior. We were going through the motions, and um, not that it was Matt's preaching, but the culture of the church, I believe, um, was more trying to lean on the legalistic side of following rules and regulations rather than maybe the gospel or searching out a relationship with Christ that was being preached. And I fell into that, um, and... And after a year of going and going through the motions and not feeling a change in my life, the Lord spoke to me again and gave me another opportunity. And I truly accepted Christ and, um, and was born again, July 29, 2012. So we went to that church, and um, Matt stepped down a few years later. I got married to Brittany in that church. And, um, and Josh Ross, who you all may know as well, was the interim pastor for a short period of time. I'm getting back to this church. Everybody hang with me now. <laughs> so uh, Josh was the interim pastor at our church, helping out and preaching and uh, things along those lines. And we connected with the Ridge because the Ridge is 
what I'm trying to say is the Ridge's outreach and opportunities that you guys may not even know about have made <clears throat> excuse me, such an impact because uh, through the connections with Matt and Josh, we became a little the Ridge of Catawissa <laughs> is what it was for a short period of time. And it wasn't successful in the endeavor of growing that church. But when we consolidated, families came to this campus and also to the Sullivan campus with Matt. And it was just such a blessing that even though that, that seemed like it wasn't a success, it got families that were sticking through with such a small church at the time, trying to be faithful with the Lord, an opportunity to come to a church with so many opportunities. We didn't have that many opportunities. As many opportunities as we have here with, uh, um, with missions and outreach and so many other things. We're so blessed here, and I urge you to take advantage of that because if you haven't been to a church where there's not many, you don't really know the difference. Um, and so through that, once we consolidated, we came over here. I got to meet uh, Roger, and then Brad was starting the Young Adults Group at that time, or, or from what I've heard was revamping the Young Adults Group at that time. <laughs> and, um, and we tried to plug in there as much as we could. And there, were, there was such a difference from coming from that church to this church. Like I said, I think, I don't know if it was the culture of the members, which is what I'm, I begin to, am trying to look back and understand and learn from, which I, I also urge you to be introspective and look at how you are as a member because it's not just what Roger preaches and what the other preachers preach, but also how we react to that and how we live our lives because the other members, we look at certain things. Like I said, I didn't accept Christ. I was just going through the motions and fit in for a church for a year. I don't blame them. You know That was my um, reason for not ex- ex- uh, accepting Christ at that time. But... We, we, we came from that kind of a legalistic, what I would say, background of maybe following a set of rules and doing a certain set of things to feel like you're in a clique at the church or whatnot. And then we came here, and they're the most, you guys are the most welcoming church of all time. I mean, not only welcoming in to just come in and say hello, but being involved in ministries and then opening ministries from scratch when somebody feels led to. And uh, that was what the Young Adults Group was for us. And we went in there and got to know Brad and, and even Brett um, and then all the young adults through that. And even Chris, when Chris was here, it was just a blessing to know all those leaders of the Young Adults Group. And when they started the Young Adults Group, um, they, we, these, Brad was slowly starting to cultivate a conversation in our Bible study, which is what I try to do the best I can um, to just learn from each other rather than just hear me give them and the young adults group another sermon or so. So we have a Bible study that we follow, and there's, in our Bible study has gotten so, for me it's so big, and for the class it feels really big, is like 19 people the last couple of weeks, and it was down to maybe three a couple of months ago. And and I don't, I don't, attribute that to me, that was to the Lord, and because of Brad and uh, Chris's leading of asking questions and having conversations um, during that Bible study, being able to learn from one another. And I know most of you are not going to show up at that Bible study and you say, why do you, I care what you're doing in your Bible study? But it's also something that I've seen in this church from the other church was not just we hear a sermon and then we move on, but we try to cultivate conversations and getting to know people that we don't know and learn from one another because we can all grow in Christ that way 
you know, it's not about just coming here and listening to Roger's preaching, which is amazing and biblical and something everybody should be here listening to. But it's also us as a community. We're a whole body and coming together. And I love the Bible studies that are doing that and cultivating a conversation during that, being able to learn from someone who maybe not have a voice and maybe not be able to come up here and speak for a long period of time, but can actually talk about their needs or their, you know, um, struggles and whatnot. And the Lord has just been so encouraging to me during that time because it's just been such a blessing to be a part of, to see people that don't talk, that are quiet, be able to share and grow in Christ in front of us, which I think is the entire goal in, in my little world of that Bible study is my testimony of going to a church. Like I said, the old church was like that, and this church is very communicative and, and collective and, and working together. And um, I'm just so thankful for that, and I thank you guys for that. And the, uh, the Lord's just been so good in that area, and I also just want anybody to uh, be encouraged to either try out our Bible study or any other Bible study, anything that you can do, because... It's hard to explain. Um, I think you can come to church every Sunday morning, sit down and hear a message, and go home and still be lonely. You can, you're following the Lord. I understand that. But not commun- being in a community with your fellow believers, just coming to a Sunday morning and then just leaving, and then hoping that you trying to do it in your strength and not of the Lord's strength, is just not going to work out well for anybody. And I think, ultimately, we have to rely on the Lord's strength. But being able to just plug in to even just as simple as a Bible study or ministries, there are so many ministries that this church does, just ask somebody, and they'll be you're like, there's a dance ministry? You're like, yeah, there's a dance ministry. <laughs> so, which is amazing. That's the beauty of it, is what I mean, is there's so many opportunities. So don't look back in a few years and go, man, they had a whole new Bible study I wasn't a part of ask and be involved because it's been such a blessing to me in growing and an opportunity to be able to uh, serve. Because in that Bible study that I'm in, I have not done well in recent years of coming up with a sermon and preaching a sermon to people. <laughs> I've tried, and it's been well at times, but it's just not my strength. And, it, and the way that the Lord works, that our Bible study has turned from maybe just another sermon or, or a sermon to following the Bible with a follow-along, but a long conversation of each other's struggles and how we can help each other and prayer requests for each other. So many things that you don't get out of just coming in the service, which you may say, well, you're supposed to come to, but we're the whole body and we're supposed to come together. And the reason why I keep talking about that is because it's just been such a blessing to me to be a part of a church that isn't just about being here on a Sunday morning. And if that's all you can do, that's fantastic as well. But I urge you to plug in wherever you can because there's no lack of opportunity in this church. And there's no lack of, of grace and love for people coming into those communities. Um, and that's just what's been on my heart. The, the, the Bible studies have been such a blessing to me and seeing all, that hallway full of people as well. I'm sure I'd love to hear from the other Bible studies as well. We're just not out in time to talk to the other people in the other Bible studies. So I, I'm praying and hoping that they're doing well as well. So um, it's just been such a blessing, and I urge you to just, just to talk and, and just 
help us build the body and be together. If you can't come to my Bible study, there's a new one starting in January for 35 to 55, and ours is, you know, singles and married that are younger, and um, I'm not sure what else to say, but uh, I love this church. It's been such a blessing to us and to allow us to go from what, at least in my mind, may have felt like legalism to freedom and ability to serve the Lord and opportunities is just priceless. And I just hope that um, all of us can take the opportunities that we're given in, in this, the, bless, the blessings that we have being at a church like this, that you've heard Bob say a million times, like, you're the most giving church in the world. Well, you guys aren't just the most giving monetarily church in the world as well. You're giving with grace and time and opportunities. And I just urge you to look for more of those because Roger's leading is just allowed for that freedom for people to follow the Lord and what they want to do. And that doesn't happen very often, which, you know, what am I to say what happens very often, but it's a good thing to say. (laughs) So that's all I have. It's just been a real blessing for me. Um, So thank you. morning. Um, my name's Kurt Ramspot, and if you know anything about me, I do everything off the cuff, off my hip, and I never use notes. Heidi will be a, a good testament to that. Um, if I can, I'd like to pray over what I have to say, because it's going to be a bumpy ride, okay? Abba Father, thank you for giving me this opportunity. Um, my prayer is that you be glorified through the things that I say and the sharing of my testimony at the the request of Roger, who I just want to say thank you to. And for this body of believers, I pray that they are encouraged and come away with something that will uh, revive their spirit in a new way. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. Uh, My name's Kurt Ramspot. I'm part of Josh Ross's Bible study on Sunday mornings. And um, truthfully, as Heidi and I have been here for some time, I'm looking forward to meeting many more of you. Uh, And here's why. Uh, Heidi and I have been attracted to this church for some time because of the spirit of our Abba Father who lives here. It is amazingly attractive. You as a church are courageous, you're bold, and it is unbelievably attractive. And when I say attractive, I mean deep calling to deep. I don't mean attractive, shiny, flashy lights. I mean from the true spirit of God. So I just want to say thank you to Roger, to the staff, and to all the volunteers for what you do here. Your spirit has attracted me and my family to call this our place of worship, and we're grateful. Um, A few days ago, I was driving to one of my customers' appointments. I own a small painting company. Uh, I employ six people right now. It's been up to ten, but you know what we're going through in the trade uh, world right now. It's very hard to find good people. We have amazing people. So I'm driving along, and I notice a phone call come in on my phone, and I look down, and I can see it's Villa Ridge Church. And uh, I didn't tell anybody this. I didn't tell Heidi. I didn't tell Roger. I didn't tell anybody. But when I saw that, the first thing that went through my mind is, was youth group last night? I wonder if my boys did something. 
So I let it ring one or two times, and sure enough, it was Roger on the other end of the line starting to talk to me, and I thought, oh, great, this has gone right past Brett. It's gone to Roger, and now we're, we're at top shelf for they, them doing something wrong. That was the first thing that went through, through my mind. And uh, then he started talking, and I realized he was talking to me. And then my thoughts went to, wait a minute, what, what have I done wrong? Did I do something? And no, uh, after listening to him for a little bit of time, I realized he was asked to share with you my personal testimony. However, though, by a show of hands, and I want everybody in this room to be honest, how many of you, when you get a call from someone in a position of authority or someone you haven't spoken to for a while, that's one of the first thoughts that goes through your head? How many, by a show of hands, that I did something wrong? Great! We're two minutes into my testimony, and you and I have built a common bond. It's built on a guilty conscience, but we have a common bond. You know, all joking aside, it is an absolute privilege to be speaking with you today and to give you my testimony. But I have to be truthful in one regard. As much as I want to give you this story as my church family, I want to tell you that from the time Roger asked me, I knew, mm, I knew who my testimony was for. It's for my children. Uh, Heidi and I have uh, 10 amazing children. Allison, Stephanie, Timothy, Madison, Lillian, Emily, Rebecca, Jonathan, and Harrison. They are, thank you. <laughs> they are all naturally born to us, and we already have, believe it or not, seven children in the throne room of God already worshiping him in advance of us getting there. So we have 17 amazing kids. And um, as much as I want to give you my testimony for your edification, I want to let you know that God has placed it on my heart that what I'm about to say today is my testimony, but uh, thank the Lord it's being recorded because it's for them. Let me tell you my story. My story starts a long time ago, 55 years ago, in North St. Louis. Uh, a guy named Tony Rampspot was dating a gal named Kathleen Percher for three years. Uh, and many of you know in St. Louis, you've heard the sentence, where did you go to school, right? Everybody know that? I can tell you exactly where that came from. That came from downtown St. Louis amongst all the Catholic churches because that question was used to identify your social economic background, where you were from, who you hung out with. That really wasn't a question to know where you went to school, that was a question you know a little bit about you. So my parents grew up in North St. Louis. They went to Catholic school, as all good Catholic kids did. And after about three years' worth of dating, what do you think happened with my mom? She ended up pregnant. And you just didn't do that as a young Catholic schoolgirl. So who'd already graduated as a young Catholic woman. So she found a priest to help her find a place where she could place a baby for adoption. And one day, uh, my dad was schnookered in to a cement-pouring party in uh, Lake of the Ozarks. 
and he was there without his car, and he was really upset, so he called her, and she drove his 1964 Chevelle Malibu, and you guys will love this part of the story, whom his friends worked at the Corvette plant in St. Louis, who stole all the parts to build a nice 327 Corvette engine in. So she had a little trouble driving it there because it was a stick, and she was late, and they got a motel room. And of course, as a young couple, they thought things were going to go on, and with that evening, she blurted out, I'm pregnant. The next morning, she went to have, he went to take a shower, got out, she went to take a shower, and he found a note in her purse, and it was a Dear John letter. She was going to leave him, she was going to place me up for adoption, and he confronted her. And he said, you weren't going to tell me, were you? And she said, no. And he said, this child as much as mine as it is yours, and you're looking at that kid. I'm here today because of the sacrifice my parents made for me. They're still together today. <laughs> Fast forward 20, almost 19 to 20 years. It's 1986. I'm on a date with a young gal. We go to a theater, Chesterfield Cinema. And uh, I have to be truthful. While I was with a young lady, I saw another one. She had amazing red hair. And let's just leave it at that. She had amazing red hair and a whole bunch of everything else. And I was drawn in like a tractor beam. Sucked right in. And so we began to date, and four months after we began dating, what do you think happened? Heidi came and told me that she was pregnant. I've already seen what a man does in a tough situation. He steps up to the plate, and he accepts responsibility for his actions. I knew in my heart of hearts what I needed to do. I didn't know how. Trust me, I did not know how, but I knew because I'd seen another man make a righteous move. And so, uh, as best I could, I came alongside Heidi. It was rough. It was amazingly rough. And there was this close of a moment where Heidi was just going to call it quits because I was such an idiot so full of myself, so full of pride. Well, she gave me a chance, and we are still together today. We just celebrated our 33-year wedding anniversary. We're now going into our 34th year, right, honey? But you're wondering, how does this apply to my kids today? Well, fast forward a couple years, I'm trying to sell, who remembers a place called the Pregnancy Resource Center before it became Thrive? Who remembers that? Thank you. I'm trying to sell John McCastle, the executive director of the Pregnancy Resource Center, a $22,000 color printing system. And he takes my proposal, and he drops it down like this, and he says, where do you want to be in five years? I'm like, in five minutes, I want to be in the parking lot with a signed copy of the contract so I can get a nice commission. That's where I want to be. 
And he asked me to come alongside them and help them start a men's ministry because he understood and he knew my story. He knew that as a young man in an unexpected pregnancy, he'd seen me do it. He'd learned about me. We'd talked. We'd had time together. And I helped the Pregnancy Resource Center of St. Louis start a ministry. Fast forward 18 months into that ministry, it wasn't going well because John made a key mistake in his leadership. He didn't tell the board of directors that he was bringing me on. And you never work against your leadership. But he came to me with another idea. He said, what if you could take what you've done here with the Pregnancy Resource Center? By that time, I had trained 54 men in St. Louis in nine of our centers how to work with men in unexpected pregnancy, because that was my story. I was passionate about it. He said, I think you can do greater things. And he asked me to consider training pregnancy care centers around the country. So I formed a nonprofit, and we called it Guys for Life. Maybe some of you have heard that name. You want to hear some really cool stuff before you hear the bumpy road? We trained over 1,270 pregnancy care centers around the country how to work with dads. Of the centers we trained, we surveyed them. Of 100% of men who were abortion-minded when they walked in the door, to pressure that young woman to have an abortion, 90% of them chose life for their child. Of those men, 73% of them decided to start a family. 100% of pregnancy care center directors we surveyed said they saw a direct reduction in the number of single moms. Believe it or not, a pregnancy care center, if you're not working with men, is producing nothing more than a single mom, if you really think about it. And Bob Caldwell, if you're watching this or listening, this one's for you, buddy. We surveyed 104 pregnancy care centers, and we found out through the male mentors that I train nationwide that one out of every two men who walk through those doors not having a relationship with Christ, when we were done working with them, chose to believe, chose to have a relationship with their Savior. You're going to be holding that applause because here's where the road gets bumpy. That sounds great, doesn't it? But something happened. I began to start speaking publicly at pregnancy care center banquets nationwide. I started getting paid a lot of money to help them raise funds for their pregnancy care center. At one event, I got paid $5,000 to stand at a lectern like this and help them raise money. I helped raise millions of dollars to help save children and start families. I began traveling the country. My time was so busy that I created what was called an online mentoring academy, and at some points, I could train up to 27 pregnancy care centers at one time weekly. That sounds cool, doesn't it? I partnered with Focus on the Family. Who's heard of Focus on the Family? Anybody? If you're in ministry, let me tell you something. That is like getting hooked in to the vein. If you partner with Focus on Family, you are now established. Everybody wanted it. 
I purposely sought it. Not only was uh, a relationship formed, but they, fo- they focused on me and our ministry for two days' worth of a broadcast. Uh, you can still hear it online. We were riding really, really high. And then I got cocky. In the last year and a half of my ministry work, I had to make a transition to a new board of directors. You know, they rotate, right? They have a limited shelf life according to your bylaws. And I met some men who I thought were courageous like me, bold, daring. Trouble was, even though we had a rigorous screening process given to us by Doug Murky with Churches for Life, and I'm talking a rigorous screening document, giving your testimony, giving all the answers that need to be questioned whether you should be on the board or not, guess what I did with that? I chucked it aside. And I brought on three dudes who I trusted. Two of which, you ready for this? Hadn't given their lives to Christ. How many of you ever heard a term called Christian dating? (laughs) I'm going to date this person and I'm going to lead them to Christ. I have one word. That's stupid. That is exactly what I did. It never works. What do you think happens when you have a whole host of issues which you as a leader screw up on your nonprofit status? What happens when you come to a fork in the road and you need to work with these men? What do you think happens? You think it goes well? It didn't. It went really bad. And overnight, all that wonderful work we did was beginning to evaporate. And my lovely bride sat me down one night at the Panera Bread Company for dinner, and I'll never forget it. I was pouring all my time and all of my energy into saving something with the arm of the flesh, not with my Abba Father's help. And she had the courage, as my helper, to tell me, Honey, I think your work is becoming an idol. And she was right. I'd been feeling that way for six months. Now, what does this have to do with my kids? How can any of what I'm telling you possibly glorify God? Because I was so consumed in making things happen, so consumed that I was bringing God glory and making the world a better place. The truth was, I wasn't. In my state of pursuing what I thought was God's will, I was really in pursuit of affirmation. You see, when my family needed me, my work came first. And I guarantee Johnny and Harry are sitting right there can remember me saying at times when I walked through the house being so desirous of the things I was working on, whether it was a mailer, whether it was a fundraising letter, get out of my way. Get out of my way. When my family really needed me, I wasn't there. Because leading a family of ten children is a ministry in and of itself. There's different ages. There's different needs. There's different problems. There's different challenges. And let me tell you, if you knew some of the challenges we faced, one in particular that was a nuclear bomb inside my family you wouldn't want me to be anywhere in your ministry. Matter of fact, you probably wouldn't want me giving you this testimony today. And by and large, you'd probably have trouble talking to me man to man or friend to friend. 
You see, I put everything into what we were doing at Guys for Life because I was so convinced we were right. I did it at the precious expense of my children. Where's it left me today? Do you want the truth? Or like Jack Nicholson, can you handle the truth? The truth is that though my relationship with Jesus Christ is ever-growing, though my relationship with my lovely bride Heidi is solid, my relationship with my children, especially my seven oldest whom are out of the home, is splintered at best. Some talk to me, some don't. Some tolerate me, some don't. Some work with me, some rely on me. Yet all of them have a hole. A hole in their heart where I wasn't there to rescue them, to save them, protect them, or guide them. Sure, they had a father who was present, who could fix things or protect them in a pinch, but not daily. Not as a man who could capture their heart, listen to their dreams, keep them from danger, even if that danger was growing in their own home. No, because I was consumed with what I thought God was wanting us to do at Guys for Life, because I was seeking my own affirmation in the eyes of other people, because I never received it as a child from my father and my father from his daddy, even though Heidi homeschooled our children and presented them Jesus daily. My children have a part of their lives where they were raising themselves without a father's appropriate love, protection, and support. This is my story. This is my testimony. And my children need to hear this. I want you and my bride and my children to know, most importantly, my Abba Father, that I know I fell short as a dad. And as troubling as this may sound, as hard as this might be for you to hear, here is my hope. There is still time on that clock. I'm here. My kids are here. And God is here. As long as I have breath in my lungs and as long as I have a voice to pray, I'm going to continue to give God glory, to push back hard against the enemy of God in Jesus' power, not mine, and try as best as I can to restore what's been undone and what's been broken. And that's where I want to leave it with you, my church family. As a parent, are you convinced what you're doing is right? Do you have people in your life telling you otherwise? I did. Are you listening? Or are you so headstrong like I was that your family, specifically your children, are an impediment to your success? Because if they are, I can unequivocally guarantee you're going to regret it. I'm asking you not to do what I did. Don't ignore the signs. Don't ignore the people speaking to you. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit who is prompting you. If you know what's right and you ignore it, 
Are you truly his to begin with? I thought I was. I know I am now. I know that. And I say that if relationships with my children are going to get better, it's going to be on their terms, not mine. And I have to be patient. And I have to pray. And I have to trust and rely in the power of Christ. No more my arm of the flesh. Don't do what I did and don't be like me. Be like him. Be like Christ. And I guarantee you will never have That's a promise I can make because it's in him, not in me. I want you to listen to the very chapter that the Lord put on my heart. You're going to hear in Hosea 8 my story, which I pray is not yours. (laughs) The heading of this is the apostasy of Israel. We sang about a trumpet this morning. It's interesting that the very first line is, Set the trumpet into your mouth. He shall come like an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. Israel will cry to me, My God, we know you. I was doing that. The enemy will pursue him. They set up kings, but not by me. I set up leaders but I didn't set them up by my Abba Father. They made princes, but I did not acknowledge them. From their silver and gold, yep, raised a lot of money. They made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. Your calf is rejected, O Samaria. My anger is aroused against them. How, will, how long until they attain to innocence? From Israel is even this. A workman made it, and it is not God. That's what I was doing, friends. But the calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. And here's what I was doing in spite of all that ministry work and where I want to leave it with you. They sow the wind, and they reap the whirlwind. My testimony isn't glamorous. It's simply real. One, I'm going to have to wait on God to heal. And with all of my older children, one that has consequences and I'm okay with. I don't like it, but I'm okay with it. I'm ready. He does the work, not me. If you can make the change now, friends, I'd encourage you to do it. Don't sow the whirlwind and reap a whirlwind like I did. That's for Jesus and my family. I love you guys.